on that page. And if you've lost it, it's page 1074. Uh, page 1074. Uh, John chapter 13 from verse 36 onwards. Uh, and uh, if you can also ask, if you don't mind, to open your bulletin. Uh, the white bulletin you received as you came in. The center page, uh, there's a, a brief outline there. Uh, that'll be helpful as well. Uh, but most importantly, uh, page 1074, John 13, uh, beginning from verse 36. Let me uh, lead us in prayer as we begin. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have gathered us together as your people around your word. Uh, and we pray now that your spirit would speak to us in this word that he has given. Uh, we pray that he would enable me to preach your word rightly and clearly uh, and in his power. Uh, and we pray that we will see Jesus uh, as we look at this passage together. And seeing Jesus, that we will see you uh, and love you and believe you and obey you. Uh, so we pray for your help now. Uh, and we pray that you be glorified among us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I have two delightful daughters, and I think, I think that each of them looks like me, but in very different ways. Now, if you know my wife, you may think they look like her too, but also in very different ways. And the funny thing is, they look nothing like each other. Uh, in personality as well, uh, there are ways in which we are similar, uh, and there are other ways in which we are quite different. You could not rightly say that if you have seen them, you have seen me. And you certainly don't need them to come to me. But things are very different when it comes to Jesus and his Father. Jesus gives us the Father, for we go to the Father through believing in Jesus. We see the Father by seeing Jesus, and we glorify the Father by proclaiming Jesus. And we will see this in our passage today. Uh, those of you who have been with us recently will remember where we're up to in John's Gospel. This is the night where Jesus will be betrayed. Uh, tomorrow he's going to be tried and crucified. Uh, Jesus has announced that someone will betray him and privately identify Judas as the person. And Judas is now gone. And Jesus has declared that the time has come for him to be glorified. And he's going to be glorified through his suffering and death and resurrection and ascension. But just after he's spoken of his glorification, he's opened up a new theme in the conversation. He's going somewhere, somewhere where they can't come. He said back in verse 33, and have a look at it with me. He said, little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Now the reference to the Jews leads us back to chapter 7, verse 33 to 34, uh, where it said to them, and I'll read it to you, I will be with you a little longer, then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am going, you cannot come. And then again, he says to the Jews in chapter 8, verse 21, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. 
Now, these Jews were his enemies. They were the ones who were trying to have him killed. And it's one thing to say to them, where I am going, you cannot come. But now, he's saying it to his disciples. And so Peter asks him in verse 36, Lord, where are you going? If he had remembered what Jesus had said to the Jews, he would have known that Jesus was going to the Father who sent him. But he can't accept that Jesus is going somewhere and he can't come. After all, he's been following Jesus everywhere for the last three years. Now, Jesus doesn't answer him directly at this stage, but he does clarify his statement. Uh, He says, second half of verse 36, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. But that's still not good enough for Peter. He says, verse 37, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Uh, He wants to follow Jesus wherever he's going. And he's willing to die for Jesus. He says, I will lay down my life for you. Full of good intentions. But actually... He's got it all wrong. Jesus was about to lay down his life for him, not the other way around. And Jesus answers in verse 38, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Peter really wants to follow Jesus. But he's going to fail. He's just not good enough. And Jesus knows it. Now that's very different from Judas last week, isn't it? Judas decided to betray Jesus. Peter wants to follow Jesus, but but he won't be able to. And neither will the other disciples. But this should not lead them to despair. They would not die in their sins like those who opposed Jesus. Jesus says in chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. They can't follow Jesus themselves. But Jesus wants them to believe in him. To trust him. For where Jesus is going, he's going for them. Look what he says in verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? You see, he's going to the Father. He's preparing a place in the Father's house for his disciples. But what about the fact that they can't come? What about the fact that, that even Peter can't make it despite his best intentions? Well, Jesus tells them in verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may also be. Even though they cannot follow Jesus now, in the end, they will be with Jesus. He will make sure of that. Because he is going to come back and take them to be with him. 
And friends, that is a great comfort for us, isn't it? We cannot get to the Father's house on our own efforts. There is no way we will ever be good enough. Even with the best of intentions, we will still fail like Peter. But Jesus has prepared a place for us. For He lived the perfect life. On the cross, He died for our sins in our place. He rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven and He will come back one day and bring us there. That is His work, not ours. What we need to do is believe. Believe in God. Believe in Him. But friends, the point that Jesus wants us to understand is not only that we cannot make it to the Father on our own, but that Jesus is the only one who can bring us there. And so he, he, he steers the conversation towards talking about the way to the Father in verse 4. He says, and you know the way to where I'm going. But Thomas is, well, Thomas is a bit blur. He says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus' reply in verse 6 is one of the most famous verses in the whole Bible. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Friends, this is very important, isn't it? Jesus is the only one who can take away our sin by his death for us and therefore prepare us a place in the Father's house. And so Jesus is the only one who can take us to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through him. Do you believe these words of Jesus? As an Anglican, I'm, I'm thankful to say that our Anglican beliefs match up with the Bible's teaching. Uh, let me show you from our doctrinal statement, the 39 articles. You, you'll find a copy of the articles at the back uh, of the Order of Service booklet. Uh, so I get, keep your Bibles open, but, but take out that booklet and turn with me to page 56. Page 56, and have a look halfway down the page. It's article 18. You see that? Page 56, of obtaining eternal salvation only by the name of Christ. And here's what it says. They also are to be had a curse that presume to say that every man shall be saved by the law or sect which he professeth, so that he be diligent to frame his life according to that law and the light of nature. For holy scripture doth set out unto us only the name of Jesus Christ, whereby men must be saved. See, the article echoes the teaching of scripture. Jesus is the only way. Now, in our society, such words are politically incorrect. Right? Surely there must be many ways to God. Surely everyone must be saved by their own religion. And if you think your religion is the only one that's right, then you're, you're some kind of bigot. But Jesus is not talking about religion in the sense of belonging to the right tribe. Or you're not saved by your, your family background. You don't come to Father by, by ticking Christian on the government forms when they ask for religion. 
For there will be many people who are called Christian by name, but have no relationship with God through Jesus. But you are saved by believing in Jesus. And that is what true Christians do. For Jesus insists that he is the one, the only one, through whom we can come to the Father. He is the way. Jesus insists that he is the one, the only one, who can truly reveal the Father. He is the truth. Jesus insists that he is the one, the only one, who can give us eternal life. He is the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so our first point tonight is this. Jesus gives us the Father, for going to the Father is only through Jesus. But Jesus will not only bring his disciples to the Father in the end. He is the one who perfectly reveals the Father now. He is the one through whom we can truly know the Father today. He says in verse 7, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. But now it's Philip's turn to be blur. And he says in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Maybe he wants Jesus to give them like a vision of God's glory, right? Like, like he gave to Moses or to, or to Isaiah or Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And say, wow, God's glory. But how does Jesus respond? Verse 9. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus perfectly reveals the Father. The Father's character is completely expressed in him. But actually, it's more than that. Jesus continues in verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Uh, we are entering into the very heart of the mystery of the Trinity, that the Father and the Son mutually indwell. The Father is in the Son. The Son is in the Father. That is part of their eternal relationship. And so you cannot have the Father without the Son. You cannot have the Son without the Father. The fact that Philip was still asking Jesus to show them the Father means he still hasn't really understood Jesus. For if you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. If you want to see the glory of God, you don't need a vision anymore. You see the glory of God in Jesus. Jesus continues. Halfway through verse 10. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. You see, his words and his works. When you listen to Jesus, you hear the Father's words. When you see the works of Jesus, you see the Father's works. I just think about the seven signs, those, those works of Jesus that are recorded in John's Gospel. God is the one who provides good gifts to his people. Jesus changed the water into wine. 
God is the one who heals in the Old Testament. Jesus healed an official son who was acutely unwell and a paralytic who had been disabled for 38 years. God fed his people in the wilderness. Jesus fed 5,000 on the mountain. God is the one who poetically in the Old Testament tramples the waves of the sea. Jesus walked on water in the rough sea. God alone can open the eyes of the blind in the Old Testament. Jesus healed the man born blind. God alone can raise the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus. Jesus did the works of God. And he says to us tonight, as he said to his disciples that night, in verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else, believe on the account of the works themselves. How can we know the Father? Jesus perfectly reveals the Father. He is in the Father. The Father is in Him. He does His Father's works. He speaks his father's words. He expresses his father's character. He shows his father's glory. We know the father through knowing Jesus. Jesus gives us the father. For by seeing Jesus, we see the father. That was our second point. And now we come to the third point on the outline. We've seen that Jesus has been doing the works of the Father. Our works that enables us to see that, that He is in the Father and the Father is in Him. In other words, Jesus did works that show the nature of His relationship with the Father. And Jesus wants to show us that if we believe in Jesus, then we will also do works that show our relationship with Him and the Father. He says in verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. We too will do things that express our relationship. Now, it's not saying that we're going to walk on water or turn water into wine, though that might be handy sometimes if we could, because we are not the eternal son of the Father. But we are going to do works that show that who we are in relation to the Father, just as Jesus did works that showed his relationship with the Father. And when Jesus talks about our works as opposed to his works in John's Gospel, well, these are the things he says. John 3.21, Whoever does what is true comes to the light, so it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. John 6.29, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. John 8:39 If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. See, as Jesus did his father's will, so will we. As Jesus did his father's work, so will we. What does it look like for us? We will trust Jesus. We will obey him. We will do his will. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 12. But gra and greater works than these will he do, 
because I am going to the Father. Now, what are the greater works that we will do? Things that we can only do now that Jesus has gone back to the Father. Well, what could possibly be greater than the works that Jesus did, like in, in walking on water and healing the blind and, and raising the dead? Well, friends, now that Jesus has died for our sins and risen from the dead and ascended into heaven and poured out His Spirit, we are in a position to proclaim Him to the world. Now that these things have been accomplished, who Jesus is and why He came and how He reveals the Father and how He can give us eternal life, oh, they are so much clearer now than they would have been to the people who witnessed him feeding the 5,000 or, or raising Lazarus from the dead. It is a far greater thing to proclaim the finished work of Christ than to even do the greatest of those miracles. And as we do this greater work, Jesus himself will help us. In fact, he says in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. And he says it again in verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And sandwiched between these two promises, at the end of verse 13, is the reason that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You see, as we do the greater work, as we proclaim Christ faithfully to the nations, what happens? People believe in Him as the Spirit gives them new birth. By believing in Him, they have eternal life. They become one of those people whom Jesus will bring to the Father when He returns. By seeing Him in the Gospel, they see the Father. By knowing Him, they know the Father. And in all this, the Father is glorified. And Jesus said he will do whatever we ask in his name, that is, for his sake, that the Father might be glorified. He's not promising to give us all Bentleys or boyfriends if we just add the word in Jesus' name to the end of our prayers. He's not promising to solve our problems or pay our mortgage or make our life healthy and happy. But what he is promising is to give us all that we need to do the work he has given us, that greater work of glorifying the Father when we are really asking it for him and not for ourselves. But we need to ask so that when it comes, we know it's from him. We bring people to Jesus. He brings them to the Father, for he is the way. We help people see Jesus, and by seeing Jesus, they see the Father. For whoever has seen him has seen the Father. And we rely on Jesus to give us whatever we need in order to do this as we ask in his name. And as we do that, the Father is glorified in the Son. What a great privilege it is to work with the Son for the Father's glory. What a great privilege it is to be part of that greater work.
Before we finish, let us think for a few minutes about how we might fit into this passage. Well, first of all, I wonder if there's anyone here tonight who is a little bit like Peter. You have good intentions of following Jesus. In fact, you think you're pretty capable of doing it. You want to live a good and obedient life, and you think that by doing so, you should reach the Father. And Jesus wants you to learn a lesson from Peter's failure. You and I are not capable of reaching the Father ourselves, no matter how hard we try or how good our intentions are. We, like Peter, are riddled with sin. But Jesus died for us. He can take us to the Father. We can only come to the Father through Him. So stop relying on yourself and your own good intentions and rely instead on Jesus and what He has done for you. Secondly, I wonder if there's anyone here a little bit like Thomas. You've been with Jesus and heard from Him for a number of years, but you still haven't realized that Jesus is the only way to the Father. Maybe hard to accept, but, but actually it's true. We don't just believe the things that Jesus says when we like them. Right? If we do that, then we are saying that we are God, not Jesus. Jesus says to you, as he said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We need to believe him. And my friend, that actually gives us really good motivation to be doing that greater work, doesn't it? To make it our mission to tell the world about Jesus so that people can come to the Father through him, that he might be glorified in the Son. And finally, I wonder if there's anyone here a little bit like Philip. Philip had been with Jesus for a long time. And then he asked Jesus, please show us the Father. And you may be here tonight and you're thinking, if only I had a vision of God's glory. If only I could see God, how good that would be. In fact, that would be so much better for my Christian life. Only I could see it. And Jesus says to you tonight, as he said to Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And you have seen Jesus, haven't you? You've seen Jesus today in the pages of John's Gospel. The Spirit has made Jesus present to us even as we have read and heard the Spirit's word. And you have seen the glory of Jesus at the cross where you have experienced both his perfect justice and his amazing love. There at the cross, you have seen the very heart of the Father himself, the heart of holy love. And at the resurrection, you have seen his faithfulness to his promise. No need to ask for a vision anymore. In Christ, you have seen God.
Well, sisters and brothers, Jesus gives us the Father. We go to the Father through believing in Jesus. We see the Father by seeing Jesus. And we glorify the Father by proclaiming Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your Son. Thank you that though we can't come to you ourselves, that your Son has died for us, that he's risen again, that he's ascended to you on high, and he's promised to one day return and take us to be with you forever. Thank you that we can go to you in him. And Father, thank you that we can see you in him, that he truly has revealed you so, so we know who you are and what you're like. And thank you that by revealing your character of justice and love, he has shown us your glory. And Father, we thank you that we too can bring you glory. Lord, we know that we are utterly undeserving of contributing to your glory for, for we are sinful and weak but, but thank you that you have chosen to be glorified through the proclamation of your son and we thank you that he has promised to do whatever is needed for this work if we ask in his name for his sake and so we ask that you help us to rely on him and to look to him in prayer, even as we go out to proclaim him. And we ask this, Father, in his name and for your glory. Amen.